remember at school, um, school dinners, didn't always have school dinners, but when I did, it always had to be the week where there were chips. You know, you, know, you, you don't want to have school dinners when it's not chips, that was my <laughs> understanding. And on the table for school dinners, there was a chip monitor. And the chip monitor was the person who shared out the chips for the, for the table. And I noticed that the chip monitor always gave themselves more chips than anybody else on the table. <laughs> and I remember as an 11-year-old or 10-year-old thinking, if I'm ever chip monitor, everybody will get a share, a fair share, a fair portion of the chips. It's a kind of a desire for justice that was in me at 10. That was, what my, that, that was a really a significant area that I wanted to see injustice beaten was around chips. And I remember I had the opportunity, and I, I, I wasn't that brilliant at maths or portions, and I'd shared them all out and realised there wasn't any for me. So that was, a, <laughs> that was a lesson in my visual ability to measure things. But, but there was justice on the table that day. Another thing that really mattered to me was um, football. And it always seemed to be that there was, this, there was always the guy who would be, wanted to be the striker. And then if there was a penalty... He always wanted to be the goalkeeper. It was like he wanted to be the hero at that end and the hero at that end. And he always used to put the bad player in goal. And, and then as soon as there's a penalty, right, we'll swap over. And I thought, no, that's not right. Because actually, if you're in goal, you get the glory moments as well as the boring moments of waiting. So that was another area that I wanted to fight injustice. <laughs> that was my Martin Luther King moment. I want everybody to be able to have a fair portion of chips. I want everybody, if they're a goalkeeper, to play in goal when there's a penalty. Amen. That was my dream. <laughs> <laughs> that was my vision. That was my mission. Fast forward then 10, 11 years. I'm in a prayer meeting with a couple of uh, ladies that I worked with. We ran a house group together. Joan Gowan and Sarah Porter in Lowestoft. And I remember the day that God said to me, I've called you to be a gold digger. I've called for you to find the gold in people's lives and call out and say there's gold in those hills. And I, it, it touched me that this whole thing, I hadn't heard uh, John Wimber at that point say everybody's called to do the stuff, but I remember thinking that everybody is called to do the stuff and that actually everybody carries dreams, everybody carries purpose, everybody carries significance, everybody has a destiny in God. And that the role of any kind of leadership was to find the goal, the calling, the destiny, the purpose, and call it out and activate it and actively celebrate it when you see it. And so I'm going to read you some verses that, that, that in Colossians 4, and this guy's name only comes up twice in the Bible. In Colossians 4, verse 17, it says this. Tell... Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received from the Lord or in the Lord. See to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. This guy only appears twice in the New Testament. He appears here and in Philemon where it talks about Archippus, he's a really good soldier or a real trooper, the message puts it. Um, and the church that meets in his house. I love the fact that every single person is significant to God, that you are known. I love the way Paul in the Bible talks about the body of Christ 
and that every part of the body is beautifully and wonderfully significant, how every part of the body provides grace and strength to the other part. And sometimes we can feel, oh, the little toe, what's the little toe for? It doesn't feel very significant until you break your little toe, which I remember breaking my little toe playing football. Then you think the little toe is the thing that matters absolutely most in the whole of my life, trying to score a goal with a broken little toe. And so when it's not working, you notice it. So I want to talk about each person is called to complete the ministry, to complete the thing that they have received from the Lord. And I want us to understand that ministry isn't just something that happens in the four walls of local church, as it were, and what we do in local church, that ministry is servanthood, and we're all called to be servants of the kingdom. And that servanthood of the king gets expressed in a whole broad part of life, in every facet of everything we do. And I guess part of what this is this morning is is to identify as well what is that unique burden that you carry? What is that thing that God would say to you? Make sure you complete that thing that you've received from me. Make sure that you complete it. There's something I've given you. There's an entrustment that's come from heaven to you. And it's important that we know what that is. What is that entrustment that we carry from the Lord? What is that thing that we've received in him that is entrusted to us to do something with? And so, we could word this verse in another way. We could say, Archippus, your contribution is vital. I love that thing that there's loads of heroes in the Bible and then this one guy gets picked out for an exhortation and encouragement and a reminder, you're known, you're loved, you're chosen, you have a contribution. You're only going to pop up once in Colossians and in Philemon, but I want you to know that you are vital. You've received something from God. You are, whether you're the little toe archivist, or you're the little finger, you have something that's absolutely, absolutely vital. And so we can say in a local church like this, we've got a huge corporate vision, and then all the us archivists feed in our individual calling, destiny, purpose and dreams into that bigger picture. And there's a real sense that when we're talking, say, about the local church, When you find your church family, you find your purpose. I love how Chris Vallotton puts that that from Bethel Church. When you find your family, you find your purpose. Where you find out where the family is going, you find out where your unique contribution, your unique ministry feeds into a local church. Find your family, find your purpose. So when we're talking about the church's contribution to Kingdom Advance, it's important to understand that that it feeds into where a family's going. And you might be saying, where does this family go? We're, We're going, this is our vision, to live, to bring heaven to earth. That's our big overarching vision. That's where the family's going. That wherever we go, whatever we do, whether it's 
looking after kids, whether it's teaching, whether it's being a nurse or a doctor or an accountant or, or, or working in engineering or working as a creative or working in, in a whole vast range of jobs that we're living to bring heaven to earth, that we're living to bring heaven to earth wherever we go, that we have a ministry to, to shape and to change. And so it's important that you feel part of where the family's going. That's why things like Connect are so vital. Because otherwise what you'll find is you're just attending a meeting. You, you're just attending a gathering of people who's singing songs and hearing things. It's not until you find out where the family is going and start to discover your contribution to the family that you... you that, that, that's such a vital thing, otherwise you are just literally attending something, singing songs and just coming to a meeting. Because the kingdom is about equipping and releasing people. The kingdom is about leadership, serving people to help you discover that unique calling, that unique purpose, that unique contribution, that unique uh, participation, that unique thing that you are to complete. The kingdom is that. The kingdom is, is, is a much bigger thing than creating a church meeting in which people gather. So what would success look like for us as a local church? It would be every single person who calls CCK their family, knowing why they're on earth. That would be success. Success is not in the kingdom filling every chair, coming to sing and listen, that's not success in the kingdom. Kingdom is all about mobilisation. Kingdom is all about activation. Kingdom is all about equipping. Kingdom is all about releasing every person to say, I know why I'm on earth. I know what I've received from the Lord. That Paul would be able to say to you, are you fulfilling the ministry that you've received from the Lord? And that would be our desire for every single person. That they would know what they contribute to the whole that they would know what they contribute to the local church's family mission, and that they would know when they leave here that 98% of your life, or more than that, which is out there, you would know that I've got a purpose. I know that I'm living with an eternal purpose. I know what it is I'm on earth for. I know what it is I'm bringing. That's our big, big vision. That every person who was here, who comes here, would say, I'm not just attending a meeting. I'm not just attending a group of believers who sing and hear things. I know my niche. I know my part. I know the grace that I've received. And that grace that I've received is flowing to other people so that the body is built up and becomes mature. That every single person would be able to say, I know my niche. I know what I've been entrusted with from God. I know what I've received from God. I know what my contribution is from God and I'm going to fulfill it. I'll ask you that, do you know that? And maybe you don't even know uh, Jesus yet. And I'd say that's the glorious thing about Jesus is that he calls us into his family and he calls us into his worldwide mission, which is to love the world and bring the good things of heaven to earth now. He brings us into a purpose. He brings us into something that's bigger than us, that's greater than us. He calls us into a contribution that's bigger than our lifetime that goes on for generations. It causes us to run with a baton that we pass on to another generation who will go further, higher, faster than us. He makes our life, our short span on earth, mean something. Because 
we'll look back, as it were, as a cloud of witness and say, wow, that generation who followed us went further higher. They saw more breakthrough, more salvation, more healing, more kingdom advance. And we're called to play our niche in doing that. And I would say, how, you might say, but how do I actually find my niche? How do I find my contribution? How do I find my contribution both in the local church and how do I find my contribution in the 99% point whatever of my life that's not in meetings and not in church and not doing church stuff? How do you find that? I would say a helpful thing number one is have the heart of a servant. Have the posture of a servant. If you don't know what it is you're called to do, then ask, is there anything that needs doing? I would say that's one of the first things that helps you, that you go from the general to the specific. They reckon it's much easier to um, orientate and direct a moving ship than it is to get a ship moving and orientate a great vessel and try and move it and steer it. That momentum of servanthood leads you to the specific. I remember in uh, 1991, I said to God, I will say yes to whatever you ask me to do. I I will say yes to what any leader asks me to do. Because I'm trusting the leadership that you've given me, who are serving me and helping mature in God. It wasn't even that I needed to know myself. I just said, I'll I'll trust leadership. (laughs) I'll trust them. And that took me on a journey in which I've done many different things. I started off, uh, my first ever job was 67 black currents for crash. That was my first ever responsibility in anything ever in church. Making the crash drinks and arriving, which seemed quite sacrificial as a student, arriving at 9.30 and pouring the drinks. And, uh, and that led to serving in youth, that led to kids' work. I remember once a leader said to me, will you lead worship? And and my face may have said yes, but inside I said, are you joking? (laughs) I didn't even want to come to Jesus because I didn't want to sing in church. (coughs) That was the biggest thing. I didn't want to come to Jesus because I didn't want to get involved in singing. I'm not coming to follow you if you have to sing in church. And obviously he meets with you. He reveals himself. You know he's real. I had an encounter where I knew because I knew because I knew Jesus is real. Who he is is real. What he says is true. And I got over the singing thing. But being asked to lead worship, I I thought I've got no gifting and calling in that. And it proved correct. (laughs) (laughs) My initial supposition that I was not called to be a worship leader proved very correct. When on that Sunday, I remember... This is the feedback. You kicked off the meeting really well. But then it was in a drama theatre which had curtains. But you seemed to move backwards <laughs> gradually as the meeting went when you seemed to almost be behind the curtain. <laughs> this is true. This is, and, and you were behind the curtain and you weren't really leading anybody anywhere. <laughs> Would you like another go? <laughs> I had another go and uh, we all politely realised there was no grace, gifting or calling or anointing or favour or ability in that area. So, uh, so I never did it again. I do remember though, the preceding the curtain incident was the first time I led it where I took us all to a note that had never been heard on earth. <laughs> it was this... 
this pitch that I hear, which I took this to, it was Mariah Carey. And I remember the guy leading and said, I think we're pause. We just need to find a note that's not going to kill us. Okay? So I learned. I learned that uh, that wasn't really, that wasn't my gifting or my calling. But it started with, do the general to the, do the general and it leads to the specific until you find out what that is. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Just being a delighter in God and that in his presence, he, he shapes your desires. He shapes your heart. Listen to what you pray in his presence. It's a real big clue of, this is what matters to me. This is what bothers me. There's something happening in your presence. I'm delighting in you, and I'm discovering the desires of my heart. So that's the first thing. Archivist, you've got a contribution to make. Paul's saying your contribution is vital. Make sure you fulfill it. And then he would say to him, Archippus, you are personally known. It's to tell Archippus. Tell him. Not tell the church, tell him. Tell him, church. Tell him to complete the ministry you've received from the Lord. In other words, you are personally known. Don't copy anybody else. If Paul was writing this, or really that all scriptures God breathing is useful for teaching, training and rebuking and, and, and building up in righteousness. He comes to us personally and says, Jamie, don't copy. Whoever he speaks to you personally, resist comparison. You're personally known. There's something you've received, Archippus, that's personally, perfectly designed for you. Now you get on with completing and fulfilling what you have received from the Lord. Don't copy anybody Resist comparison. Know who he created you to be. Amen. Know what he called you to be. What will you do with what you have received? First, you have to be fully convinced and persuaded that before the foundation of the earth, God gave you purpose <clears throat> and destiny and calling and significance and that there's a story he wants to tell the world through you. That there's something of his glory and grace that he wants to res- reveal and magnify through you. There's something that you carry that no one on the planet carries. Of the seven point whatever billion people there are on planet Earth, there isn't another you and there's not another me. There never has been and there never will be. You have a unique contribution to make to the Earth that has never been told before. A story that has never been told before can be told through you. That's an amazing thing. Archippus, you are personally known. God has given you. You have received a ministry from God. What are you doing with that unique thing that you've received from God? And it starts with, I'm just going to serve from the general to the specific. I'm going to delight in your presence. I'm going to be a servant. But you will find out that you have a unique flavour. A unique song, as it were, to sing to the world. A unique contribution that the world is longing for. Ephesians talks about the manifold grace of God. The various colours of, as it were, this glorious spectrum of gifting and grace and calling. And the earth is waiting to hear your contribution. 
And we can say whether we're a, a little, even if we were to say we're a little toe church in the earth, we're going to be the best little toe church in the earth. Yeah? Because little churches change the world. Because 120 got invited to the upper room. The 5,000 who had seen Jesus alive weren't even there. After 120 were there. God comes to individuals. He comes to small contexts. He comes and says, what are you doing with what you have received? But what are you doing with the prophetic words you've received from God? What are you doing with those verses that jumped out at you and you just knew because you knew because you knew God had said something to you. God had spoken to you. God had said to you, be getting on with this. This is a part of who you are. This is a part of your core um, contribution to the world. Obey. It says, to a- it says in the Old Testament, Abraham heard leave and he went. Leave and he went. There was obedience. And God speaks. Are we quick to obey? Are we quick to say, yeah, God, I've heard your voice. I'm going to get to work on what you said for me to do. He says he left to a place he didn't know where he was going, but he went because God said go. There's a huge power in just simple obedience. You said it, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to obey. I'm going to get on with what you've asked me to do because you come to me and you know me by name and you call me to a unique contribution in the earth. And sometimes we say, but it's not the one I wanted to receive. You know, it just says, Archivist, get on with what you've received. Uh, and maybe we could, we could put ourselves in the story and we could say, but it's not the one I wanted to receive. Have you ever seen uh, Babe? In that moment when the man makes the beautiful doll's house <coughs> for the little girl and she throws a tantrum. Do you remember? Because it's not the one in the shop. And she chucks it on the floor and runs out. And we think, spoiled brat. Or Veruca Salts in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Do you remember her? And we laugh at Veruca Salts and we're not going to be like Veruca Salts. And then we find we've received something and we think it's not what I wanted. But actually, as we do the thing we know we've received, we find delight and joy in it. Because we think, that's who I was made to be. And I do think there's a link between what we love and what he calls us to. And sometimes we just have to lay aside comparison. We have to lay aside performance. We have to lay aside competition. We have to come and say, I'm so grateful for what I've received. I'm so grateful for what I have. Because it's a kind of elder brother, Luke 15 thing, where the elder brother says, I slaved for you and I didn't even get a young goat. And actually he had the whole farm. But he hadn't realised it because all he's doing is comparing himself in competition with his younger brother and he's jealous. But he needed to know, actually I've received the whole thing too. I just need to use what I've received and use what I've been given. Prepare, begin to live on purpose. Begin to realise I've got something, I've got an entrustment. I know I've got something but I'm going to prepare in secret and and see what God does in public. I'm going to steward it well. I'm going to live intentionally. And even if no one notices you, I'm going to take that entrustment from God and I'm going to use it and develop it and value it because eventually this is going to break open because this is the calling I've received. Remember listening to Steve Backland who does Igniting Faith and God said to him, Steve, you're an author, you're a writer. 
And he had to say to himself and declare, I'm a writer, before he was a writer. And he had to speak to himself before he'd ever published a book. And no one in his generations had published a book. He had to call himself by the name that God called him until he got it. Like Abram, father, glorious father, exalted father, changes his name to Abraham, father of the multitudes. We have to call ourselves by the name that we've received. The ministry that we've received, the thing that is prepared and live on purpose. See to it that you complete the ministry you've received in the Lord. And we don't really know why it is that Paul is exalting him. But maybe one of the things could be is Archippus had given up. Maybe he just had quit. I guess there's strong evidence for that because make sure you fulfil it. You know, maybe he's doing okay and he's being exhorted and encouraged to carry on. But maybe he's just grown slightly dull and slightly lacked vigour and energy. And don't give up, be persistent. In the story Robertson Crusoe, Robertson Crusoe is abandoned on an island and the nearest island is 45 miles away and he's stuck on this island and he needs a boat. <coughs> he also needs to overcome his fear because he believes there's cannibals on the island over there. And he, in the story he gets an axe or he makes an axe or he makes something to chop down a tree to begin to make a boat. And it says in the story that he begins to chop and it took 22 days to chop the tree down. Many, many chops to get a big tree down. This is a massive tree. And eventually the tree falls. And I think in the story it takes a year and a half to hollow the tree out to make a boat to get off the island. And sometimes we have this thing where we we know what it is, we just didn't expect it to take so long. We think, when we look at our community and we say, I want transformation. I want the kingdom of heaven to come here. I want to see impact on health and healing and jobs and finances. We can think, I thought after a year and a half of treasure hunting, it would be heaven on earth, God. This is a big, big tree. You're chopping down a big, big tree. This is going to be longer than you thought. Will you be persistent? Will you be eagerly discouraged, easily discouraged, or will you take the testimony and believe? And so when we hear a story like Kipchu's finance and Grace's like Grace's finance last week, we can say, wow God, that's two stories, that's chop, chop. Because the kingdom of heaven comes to bring financial breakthrough so that we all have all that we need so that we can be generous to further the kingdom. And we can say, well, that's two chops. One, two. Another one gets a job. Another gets healed. Another gets this. Chop, chop. Story after story after story that builds momentum. Because God absolutely loves process. And he loves steady steps. And he loves faithfulness. Because he is relational. God could turn up tomorrow and do the whole thing in a moment. But he's looking for a believing believers who will actually begin to do the things because they're confident in who Jesus is and what Jesus has won. So don't give up. Archivists, don't give up. You've got a ministry to do. Church, don't give up. CCK, be persistent. Be diligent. Don't be easily discouraged. Celebrate the testimony. Recognise that, that this provision and this breakthrough was another chop in this huge tree. It's another thing. It's another person with hope. It's another person with expectation. 
It's another person who can go and tell someone else, God provided, God made a way, God broke in. I don't know how the money arrived in my bank account. I just know it wasn't there before. I don't know why that check came in the post. It just came at the right time. I don't know why the tax man came when it did. It just arrived just when I needed it. And tell the story, tell the testimony, tell how the God who does break through and provide. And finally, Archippus, it's important, so complete it. It's important, so complete it. I can imagine Paul exhorting this guy to finish the work because he needs to know that it's an important work. It's a vital work. Another way of saying that is... Don't be half-hearted. Don't be half-hearted. Pour in your best strength, your best capacity into doing it. And so we're on this journey in which we're learning who we are and we're learning what we carry. And God wants everybody to know you're significant. You've got a contribution to make to the earth. And we're diligent and not half-hearted in our general serving. But as we're serving, we find this specific thing, this specific contribution, this specific in, 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 uh, entrustment from God. And when we know that specific entrustment, it's God would come and say to us, you've received something from the Lord. Now fulfill it, complete it, get it done. It's something that needs to be finished. Don't be half-hearted about it. Stir yourself up. Speak to your soul. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. If it's something you've received from Him, don't be half-hearted about it. Do it with all your energy. Do it with all your strength. Do it with all your vigour. Stir yourself. Be captivated by a, a, a vision that you see in your imagination of what it looks like. Begin to imagine what will happen when you're in the street and you're praying for someone in a wheelchair and they come out and people are amazed at Jesus and who he is and you begin to then preach on who Jesus is and what Jesus has won imagine the breakthrough in the office imagine you're there and you know it's a hostile environment of nitpicking and bad mouthing and gossip and you're just bringing a different kingdom a different flavour and you're imagining peace ruling in that and honour reigning in that and, and God's goodness reigning in that just imagine it and so you turn up every day and say I'm going to be strengthened in the Lord to come again today with expectation that who I am is going to affect this environment uh, what I bring in the classroom and what I bring in different situations is going to bless and transform the environment that I'm in. I'm going to imagine it and it's going to be day after day, chop after chop, carving the wood out because I'm believing that God is building something here. Be captivated by all-consuming, huge goals. Be captivated that you're on earth to change history, to change Society to bring kingdom transformation, to turn society upside down. That's what we're part of here. Amen. That's what you're Amen. part of here. If you're saying I'm part of this family, then our commitment to you is we will equip you and release you to be agents of the kingdom. We will do everything we can to see hope and joy and belief ignited in you so that you can go as an agent of transformation wherever you go. That's our commitment to you. We'll put on courses and programs and opportunities so that you know who you are in Christ and that you can be part of a transforming society movement so that we can say in our day, like they could in the Bibles, Ephesus was transformed in its economic 
climate. Ephesus was transformed in his worship. As, uh, that says that the, 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 the blacksmiths who made the idols were going out of work because people were turning to Jesus, the true God. It turned things upside down. One generation of men and women who got full of the Holy Spirit turned the whole, whole city upside down. That it was an uproar as everything that he understood was being turned on its head by the gospel of who Jesus Christ is. That's who we are. Just says, doesn't it, in Acts, is Acts 7, just a few of them got baptized in the Holy Spirit in Ephesus. The, how can you understand the turning upside down of that city apart from the arrival of the Holy Spirit in, in born again men and women? And that's who we are. So when you're saying, when you, you say, what am I part of? What's this family about? You're saying, we are on a mission of transformation. We're on a mission to live heaven to earth. We're on a mission to transform every, everywhere we go. Whether we're allowed to speak about Jesus or not speak about Jesus because of the rules of our workplace, we're believing for people who are so full they're going to overflow the fragrance of heaven. That people are going to smell the peace and the joy and the hope that you carry. That's what we're about. We're not about building a church where it's just come on a Sunday, sit in the chair, sing a few songs and go home. We're not about that. We're about transformation. We're about the kingdom of heaven coming. We're about people being saved and added to a glorious family that are on a mission to cause everywhere they step to become God's territory. For everywhere we go to be ambassadors of the kingdom, to make everywhere the soil of heaven. That's what we're about. That when people ask, what's God like? What's heaven like? They come to local churches like ours to taste and see that God is good. To be in an environment that's saturated with heaven. That's what we're about. That's why we go after anything that blocks encountering the goodness of God. That's why we go after any lie that prevents people connecting to who he is and what he thinks and how he loves them. That's why we go after the same things of renewing the mind, getting hope, getting joy. Because happy Christians is going to be a sign and a wonder in the earth. Because what people associate with the church is judgmentalism, misery, cannot do, bunker mentality, hiding from the world. We will know that we're making an impact on our society when the world invites us to their parties because they want us to be there. That's the model. That's the model that Jesus showed. The sinners, the broken, the outcast, the downcast, they wanted Jesus in the party because he was fun to be around. And we need the world to say to the church, come back to our party. Come to our parties. Because you're the life and the soul of the party. That's what we're about. And that's where this family is going. And we're believing for growth. We're believing for those things because people matter. Individuals matter. But. And so we want to go with this. With all of our heart. With all of our strength. Not half-hearted. Not that it doesn't matter. We're about. This is our moment. This is our moment. This is the only moment we'll ever have to have faith. Everything else is going to be we're seeing. We'll see him face to face. We'll be transformed and be just like him. This is our only moment to be full of faith. This is our only moment to say, I want to be like Joshua. I want to be like Caleb who believed God and believed the land was theirs. That's what you're being invited into. Jonathan Edwards, the great... uh, evangelical Puritan from 1723 said in one of his resolutions resolved to live with all my might while I do live resolution number 6 in his list of 100 something resolutions 
Is that your resolution? I want to live with everything I've got. With every talent I've got. If it's writing, I'm going to write to the glory of God. If it's serving and hospitality, I'm going to do that to the glory of God. That everything I do, every ounce of who I am is going to be for the glory of God. I'm going to pour it all out. I'm going to not be half-hearted. I'm not going to be listless. I'm going to be all consumed by this glorious life goal of Jesus being glorified in my life, in this generation, through me and through the local church. Will you push through the comfort zone of your own fears to go beyond where you've been before? Will you overcome fear? Will you overcome a wrong understanding of the sovereignty of God? If God wants to do it, he knows where I live. (laughs) If God wants to make this grace gift appear on the earth, well, he knows my address. And until then, I'm not doing anything. Will you say, I know I've got it. I know I've received something. I'm going to stew it. Do it. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be purposeful. All in the grace of God. I'm going to thrive. I'm going to rest. I'm going to listen to his voice. I'm going to do small things in a great way. So Helen Keller said that. Sometimes we wait for the big thing. The life transforming opportunity. When reality is, I'm doing small things in a great way. Everything I'm doing is going to be in a great way. Small things in a great way. I'm going to pray for us.